Good morning. We need to have we need to have baptisms more often. It's good to be in God's house with God's people. Amen. We're talking about how to build an irresistible church. We, as believers, need to come to that place of saying, I want to be a part of this process of building this irresistible church. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is love. What's love got to do with the irresistible church? And I'm not talking about the ooey-gooey, heart-pounding, you know, sweaty palms, oh baby, love. I'm talking about that deep-seated love that Christ had for the church. In fact, that, that He loved the church so much that He willingly went to the cross to die for each and every one of us that has named the name of, of Him as the Savior of our life. Amen? The jumping-off place here is 1 Corinthians 13.1. And Paul writes, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Somebody's called that cowbell religion. If we were only allowed one word to describe God, and if we only had one word we could use to show His character, I believe that one word would be love. That defines Christ. God is love. And this is without a doubt the most defining characteristic of His nature. God without love, and pardon the illustration, God without love is like an Oreo cookie without the gooey middle. Pointless, tasteless, doesn't work. It's just a cookie. But God without love isn't God. God is love because He loves. Not just the people who are easy to love. Hey, here we go. God loves the unlovable. And I bet some of you know people who are unlovable. You may be sitting here today and you're kind of unlovable. But that's who God loves. God loves those who don't deserve it. In fact, none of us really deserve God's love. He loves the imperfect. He loves the broken. He he loves the hurting. He loves the lost. God's love is without distinction and without condition. That's His love. How can you turn your back on that, friends? God loves the church so much that in Scripture, Jesus refers to the church as His bride. Guys, do you remember a hundred years ago, it seems, to some of you, to me it was like yesterday, when you took that, that beautiful little lady's hand in marriage, and you said to her, baby, I love you. I love you so much. I love you more than the breath of the air. I love you more than the stars in the sky. I love you more than life itself. Be my, you didn't get... 
Jeremy, you and I are going to talk. And so I didn't, I didn't say it either. But it's good for the illustration. So, and that's what you need to coach your guy when you get married. You want him to say that to you, okay? Dad, where are you? You, know, you, you coach that guy, okay? I'm giving you real good stuff here. Don't settle for anything less, baby. That's what it's like Jesus said. It's like Jesus said, church, I love you more than life itself. Church, I love you so much that I am going to die for you. Man. And that's what the irresistible church's foundation is. The love of Jesus Christ. God loves the church so much that it's the central place where he reveals his awesome power. This is the place where it happens, right here. You know, it's, it's not the carpet on the, on the, carpet on the ceiling. It's not carpet on the, on the floors or paint on the ceiling. It's not a fancy schmancy uh, audio video, video thing. It's not about all the music and it's not all the razzmatazz. Those things kind of bring us to that place where it's comfortable to worship. It's about the love of God, and that's what's irresistible. The church is the most beautiful creation in the eyes of God. He loves her so much that he sent his son for her, the church. So if God loves the church that much, shouldn't we do the same? Do you love the church? Do you love your church? Well, wait a minute. I'm not going to have a show of hands. But you look at that, at that person sitting next to you. Or if you're so ornery, nobody wants to sit with you. <laughs> I'll stand by you, sis. But, do you, you know, do you love that person so much? that you're willing to sacrifice all just for them? No matter what? Because we do. We get on each other's nerves. Yes, we do. I do. I know that. You say you still love me, though. I didn't hear it today. I love you, Pastor Jim. I love you. <laughs> it's the little things that count. So, so, but we do as a church, we need to be loving that person sitting next to us. Or that person that isn't here. We've got a whole front row. This is where the angels sit, but they'll move. We've got a place back there for other people to sit. We've got a place for, for anybody that wants to come into this house of God to sit. It doesn't make any difference about your, what your past denomination was. We don't care about that. Don't care about how you're dressed. Just come dressed. Because this is the place where we want to meet with God to build that irresistible church. And if we're truly to call ourselves His children, shouldn't we love the church enough not just to attend, but to connect and to get invested? To do something for, to, and with the church, with each other? And what this means is that love is one of the primary characteristics that make a church irresistible. John Piper says this, Genuine love, quote, genuine love is so contrary to human nature 
that its presence bears witness to an extraordinary power, unquote. People outside don't understand that. When we love each other with the love of God, our lives become a testimony to the power and the person of God when others see it. And many of them are going to be drawn to it, to us. And when the world sees a community of love, many of them are going to start coming. And love is what makes a church irresistible for the true and unconditional love that we've found can't be found anywhere else. Chapter 13 of, of 1 Corinthians is possibly one of the powerful, uh, meaningful, and insightful passages in all the New Testament. Now, people will use that, preachers will use this as a, as a jumping off point for, uh, uh, in, a, in a wedding. You know, I've, I've used it, uh, Pastor Bob, I know you've used it, and Jerry, you've used that as when we, we talk about what love is. But it's good, but this is, this, is, this is love that we need to be sharing with one another and, and, and the church. And this chapter has been called the deepest thing Paul ever wrote. And, and he's been explaining in the past three chapters of 1 Corinthians the spiritual gifts and informing the church how they were to be used. Then he raises the bar teaching that love is more important than any spiritual gift. Listen to what he writes in 13, 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of the angels and didn't have, love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It keeps no record. There's no, there, there's no scorecard. Yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you did that. Well, but I didn't do anything as bad as you did for that. Love keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is, it's, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. John, Jerry, how in the world could you stay married to that woman for 50 plus years? You know how? Because we married up. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. I'm getting eyeballs here. <laughs> Keeps no record of being wrong. Does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The most important thing that keeps my life together, my marriage together is... Love never gives up. She's never given up on me. She given up on you, Jerry? No. Oh. Doesn't lose faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in an unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love lasts forever. 
Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the prophet, gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away the childish things. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror, but then we'll see all th- everything with perfect clarity, and all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Listen to this. Everybody, listen to this. No beauty parlor here. We're going to listen to God's Word. It says, Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You have to understand how vital love is to building this irresistible church. So that preamble brings me to the first point. <laughs> I've got ten, but no, I've got, I've got three and we'll, we'll get through them pretty quick. To be an irresistible church, you have to do love, not just feel it. You have to exercise love. This is where that the ooey-gooey, heart-beating, palm-sweating love that you have for your woman is good. That's the feeling. And, And you can be hooked on that feeling. But if it's going to last, you've got to do love. It's practical. It's applicable. It's hard work. The Corinthian believers were really struggling over the issue of spiritual gifts because of that. Paul devotes these three chapters, previous chapters, to how they were to be used. And they put too much emphasis and focus on the, the public gifts. What Paul says here is that even if you have the greatest gifts and you know everything... You have insight into hidden truths and can move mountains. Even if you can speak in a foreign language, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. If you do these things but don't have love, they're meaningless. You know, people say, John, what do you do for a living? And that's hard to... That's hard to say because I don't do this for a living I do it and you guys are so enormously generous to us and and you do that so we can continue to minister but it's not a job it's a calling To love someone who doesn't deserve it is, is what love is about. To forgive the wrong things that were done to you years ago. There are grudge-holding, mean-spirited, nasty-dispositioned, evil people in the world. Some of them are relatives. And those people remember everything. You know, 20 years ago you sneezed in the mashed potatoes and you're still being, it's still being held against you because you gave her root rod or something. 
that love says we forgive those things. To forgive the wrong things that were done without demanding reparation be made. To love unlovable people is a supernatural gift that comes only from a relationship with God. That, that's tough. They don't look right. They don't talk right. They don't act right. Man, they stink. Those kids, they come in here runny noses. They're a, they're a virtual petri dish of every disease known to man. Do we really want that in our church? I stay sick from August to April. <laughs> I've always got some kind of cruddy thing because of these, because of these kids. But it's okay. I haven't died yet. Uh, it's ministry. And I love them. <laughs> don't even begin to understand them because they certainly don't act like my children. It's a supernatural gift from God. You see, no matter how significant what we do, if we do it without love, it, it makes no difference. If you, we're, we're talking today, hey, men, if you don't have a place to go on Sunday, I'm going to put a plug in here. If you don't have a place to go on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.30, I want you to come to our men's discipleship class. This is going to make you think, and it's going to challenge you. And one of the things that, that, that came out is that, that what does it mean to be a disciple and what Jesus, Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And these guys dropped their what? No, their livelihood. Their livelihood. Some of them were married. Now, I, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no, that's too easy. But what they did was they, they, they moved away from what we would call responsibility to follow Jesus. Now, he was God, and he took care of stuff, I'm, I'm sure. But the important thing is that, that to be a disciple, we have got to drop the stuff that's holding us back. And, and if you leave your life behind and go to the mission field and you bring an entire country to Christ but you don't have love, it means nothing. Without love, service means nothing. Without love, faith means nothing. Gifts become meaningless without love. Love is the very essence of life, the very purpose of our creation. Fish were made to swim. Birds were made to fly. And man was made to love. Like the church in Corinth, sometimes we get distracted when it comes to spiritual gifts. Second thing, the most basic foundation of an irresistible church, the most basic foundation is love. I've met people who don't even understand how to live like Jesus. They don't have a healthy relationship with Him. They're spiritually immature. They don't have any interest in developing their faith through studying God's Word. They are, though, interested in the gifts. You know, I, wanna, I want the razzmatazz. I want the razzle-dazzle. And they have even... They haven't even laid a proper foundation for their life and they're trying to figure out the nature and expression of these gifts. It's, it's like, it always comes back to me to math. It's like a math class on 
quantum systems, whatever those are, before you take algebra. How many times did I flunk it? How many fingers did you raise? No, three times. Three times. But the one, the last time wasn't my fault. It was a girl. But when you don't build on the basics that you're going to have difficulty accurately understanding the complexities, Luke 6, 48 through 49 says, It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it'll collapse into ruins. Our directive is to love. If we don't exercise love, there's no foundation for the church. It's like laying bricks on the ground. Ephesians 4, it's, it's, we shouldn't be ignorant of, or reject gifts. They're called gifts for a reason, but we have to recognize that, that the gifts have a place and they don't take the place of love. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the church, equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. If, if gifts take precedence over love, they have become inappropriate. Several years ago, um, a couple came to a Sunday service, and uh, I introduced them myself to them. And the first thing out of this guy's mouth was uh, what our position on tongues was. And... I explained that our church didn't practice the signed gifts. We believe that they were temporary and they were set aside and no longer functioned in the church. I told him that I'd be happy to set a time to sit down and talk with him. And, and this guy really got upset. And he left the church in a huff and he said he couldn't stand going to a church that denied the Holy Spirit. Now, reactions like this are not uncommon when it comes to spiritual gifts because so much focus is put on them. But where is the focus on love? Sometimes we act in unloving ways when we don't see eye to eye on gifts and thus we show our ignorance of what the Spirit's trying to teach us in 1 Corinthians. And, and the importance is that love is far more important than anything else. Love. The love that Christ Jesus had for his church. That love that was unconditional, no strings attached. Lay it all out on the line. That's the kind of love he's talking about here. And while we talk a lot about love, it's important for us to know what it is and what it looks like so that we can honestly evaluate if we really love or if this is an area we need to work on. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. He's showing us what it means to love. Paul shows us what love is and what it does. And, and these are basically the defining characteristics of love. Love that relates more to the internal reality than the outward expression. So these characteristics of love describe the true heart of a loving person are not always clearly visible or accurately interpreted by others on the outside. They don't understand it, so they say, this is a little too weird for me, goodbye. So the way Paul sets this up is to describe both what it is and what it, 
and, and, and what love does in a positive and negative way. So, so love is patient and kind, and these are positive characteristics. Being patient and being kind. And, and I know that when the, when the kids were little and they, they, as sisters often do, probably brothers and sisters too, they, they start squabbling and scrapping and, and, and Sarita would say, girls? And she'd always, when she was upset, she'd always quote the King James. She, girls, be kind one to another. Amen. Yeah. So if you treat someone with impatience and that's your standard, you can't love them. So when you act without patience or kindness, you're acting without love. And then we see what love is not. It's not proud or rude, self-seeking or easily angered. These are the negative characteristics. And pride, rudeness, selfishness, and a short temper are all indications of a person who does not love. Basically, love is those things, patient and kind and humble and selfless, self-controlled and considerate. And if that's not the true nature of your heart, then you need to work on how you love because your love is not fully mature. Man, I've got work to do. I don't know if you do. Maybe you've already arrived, but I've got some work to do. You know, it's, it's hot and I'm tired. I've been with cranky people. I've been with, with people who who are not in their right minds and I come home and an innocent question is asked and I don't respond the right way and boy, I just, I just really can get nasty. Well, that doesn't produce much positive things. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm revealing self here and, and uh, uh, I want to be transparent to you that... Uh, I struggle with these things too, so understand that uh, you're not alone if you have a, a struggle. But if this is the case and you're, you're going to sacrifice the building of the kingdom through your attitude and actions, so it filters down into the church. If we have these problems, we're not going to be irresistible to the community because they're going to come in here and they're going to see we're a bunch of rascabidious people. Look that up in the dictionary. You won't find it. It's, it's these people who are just they, just, they can't get along with anybody. They can't even get along with themselves. If they were on a desert island and they were only ones there, they'd start a fight with a tree. And then we move to what love does. These are the, invis the, the visible external qualities. Love does, what love does is directly affected by what it is. And how can you know what you that what you have is really love? And these are the things, sort of things that you should see. So that brings to the last point. Love is an irresistible, is, is, is the, love in an irresistible church bears fruit. We're going to see disciples. We're going to see disciples being made. We're going to see people getting saved. We're going to see new people coming in to check us out. Love protects and trusts and hopes and perseveres and rejoices in truth. And, and these describe the behavior of somebody who loves. And one of these really gets me here. Love always perseveres. You know, we read this with romantic lenses. Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, ooh. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
It's not real love. Fake love. Doesn't last. And Paul's saying if your relationship doesn't get through, it, it, it is uh, because it's a hard thing to hear. And even though it sounds wonderful, it won't work. It won't last. And if you don't continue to love as in to act with all previously listed characteristics, then you've not loved. See, love finishes the race. Love is what's going to last. Here's, here's the question. You may claim to love, but are you demonstrating that love in the church? Let this be our, our training manual to loving like Jesus and, and let's not stop until we've perfected our love. Can you imagine? Think with me. Let your, let your mind just go hog wild here. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a church full of people who loved perfectly like this all the time. you imagine that? Can you imagine what a joy it would be to be a part of that? That'd be a hoot. Can you imagine the effect we would have on the world? This little corner, Topeka, Kansas, being known as an irresistible church. What love does is a result of what love is. So when we personally develop the internal qualities of love, then those external qualities will naturally be revealed in our lives. Love is an undeniably attractive force. When the church becomes a community of love, we become irresistible to the world. There are a lot of things a church can do, but a church that does love is irresistible, my friends. Love, when, love, when we love, we live like Jesus. When we love, we look like Jesus. When we love, we, our, our lives become a testimony to the glory of God and, to his, and, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We can show the world just how powerful God's love is if we can learn to love like Jesus. When we love unconditionally and unequivocally, we show the world Jesus. Let's pray.